0: So the big question is, how can you use the internet's best sales funnels to 10x your real estate investing? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I use the internet's best marketing strategies to get you more deals and more profit. Welcome to Funnels and Real Estate.
1: Nathan, you there? Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. How's it going? Good. You're up bright and early uh, for, you in California? Yeah, man. Yeah. 4 30 every day man are you really yeah oh yeah yeah
0: my dad was in the air force so he always got us up at like four so
1: oh, <laughs> i've kind of always yes. ingrained in me so it stuck with you huh
0: yeah yeah i think it was a good habit
1: yeah well good good you, what do you what do you do when you get up
0: um coffee you know work out do some real estate stuff yeah all that jazz for uh the day gets started Yeah, for the day started. Yes. well that's
1: cool man that's cool yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, thanks for
0: uh thanks for stopping by. I um for our listeners, I just wanted to sort of describe how I how I found you. You're an expert in multifamily, but specifically in multifamily. What are you specializing? Cuz I know that there's a lot of different fields that you can go into
1: in that particular market. You probably the two biggest is the due diligence side. Okay. So, how someone is you know, either from doing their paperwork to um, really the walking of the units. Yeah. Like identifying what needs to be renovated and how much is it gonna cost. Okay. Um, Cause the one thing you can really get called in on a, uh, you know, if you're doing a 40 unit complex, if you miss one thing, that's $500 a unit. Right.
0: Well, that's 20 oh, wow. grand. Right, yeah.
1: And if you do that three or four times, um, or even on the, you know, the paperwork side, the you know, zoning, I got caught one time on a zoning issue. Yeah. The other is I, I really probably, you know, between due diligence and then really the, the work life balance, the, you know, Hey, yes, you want to do real estate cause you want to make money. Right. But if your only desire is to make money, then everything that you're trying to make money for is most likely not going to be there when you get there.
0: Right. Right. Of course. And you know. I think relationships are super important and, you know, I'm not talking about specifically intimate relationships but, you know, relationships and friendships and family in general. Yeah. You know, if you know, what's the point of achieving success if you don't have anyone to share it with? To me yeah. that seems very lonely and empty.
1: Well, what's the point of, you know, achieving success if everybody thinks that you're, you know, a rude, sarcastic cheater? Yeah, Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. So yeah, you know, it, there's and obviously in this world too, the the relationship side, yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of real estate people, but in the sense of in your community, there's only so many people that are involved in this. And right. so, if you develop a reputation, which you will, it's going to be good or it's going to be bad. Right, right. That makes sense. I um, I actually come from an
0: acting background, and the entertainment industry is is also very small. So uh, yeah. I'm very used to running in small spaces and running you run into the same people like over and over. It's
1: yeah, it's crazy. And the ones that you have to be concerned is that you never even see them, but when your name comes up, yeah, they can help you with a deal or they can kill it. Right. You know? Yeah. You that don't, makes sense. Don't call that you might not even you probably don't ever even know, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, should we to consider Austin for that part? Oh no, don't call him. You know.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. He's an asshole. Don't do
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't sense. do that. Right. Well, same thing in real estate. Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, we need, you know, three people to come in on this and they list out and they're like, yeah, let's call him. No, don't call her. Right. Don't call him. You don't even, you don't even know it.
0: Right. Right. And I'm assuming when it comes to this and your, and your reputation, um, I guess the easiest way to build a reputation is just provide value to people. Is that
1: value, integrity, honesty. Got it. Okay. You know, things that you know, most in our society today would say, those are the things you don't want to do. Right. Right. You know, look out for yourself, not for everybody else, but right.
0: Yeah. yeah. I remember my, uh, my grandpa, he actually, um, he earned a lot of money doing real estate in Phoenix. And I asked him, I'm like, grandpa, you know, what's, what's your secret of success? You know, what, (laughs) if you had one piece of advice for me to like become a millionaire, what would it be? He looked at me and he said, "Um, always do the next right thing. And it wasn't—it wasn't anything even related to business. But that's not way, what you
1: expected him to say, was it?
0: No, not at all. And uh, you know, I was expecting like work harder than everyone else or something like that. But um, no, his important thing was doing the right thing. And I was like, huh, that's, that's really I stood
1: with a guy. He's still a friend, so I want not say his name. But he and his brothers built their company up. They sold it out for nine hundred million cash each. Oh, wow. Jesus! Wow! Oh he God. put one hundred and thirty-five million dollars cash in the trust account each. Yeah, two children. Wow. So I'm standing with him kind of like you are with your granddad. And I say, hey, you know, this has been almost 15 years ago. So I'm Mm -hmm. thinking I'm going to get this word of wisdom, this, you know, like if you had it to do all over again, like what would you do? And Austin, he turned to me and he started crying a little bit. Really? And he was like, I would spend more time with my wife and my kids. Wow. He said they're, I think they were 15 and 13 at the time. He said, they have more money than they'll ever know what to do with, but I don't have a relationship with them.
0: Right. Yeah. And at the time is something you'd never get back.
1: But at the time he was doing it, he was building all of that wealth, all of that money yeah. for his family. Right. But he got it, but then he didn't know him. Right. Wow. That's
0: so. That, that's kind of a tragic story, you know, cause that's, that's kind of the whole point. You know, you're, you're building wealth for your family and. Yep. At the end of the day, but you can
1: build wealth and spend time with your family.
0: Yeah, that's something I'm particularly interested in, in uh, talking with you about because you know I, I got my day job, you know, nine to six, which is really you know eight to seven. Um, real estate in the morning at like four in the morning to before work, and you know, at the end of the day, I'm really tired, but I also want to keep up with you know my relationships, my girlfriend, my friends, my family, uh, just because yep. you know last year I was working really hard on my career. Uh, but not spending any time with friends, and I started to feel really empty inside, because to me, relationships are the most important thing. Um, as far as a work-life balance, you know, what what's sort of your story in that space? How, how did you get to where you are today in finding that balance?
1: Yeah, well, you know, you, you get to a point where misery and pain becomes so uncomfortable. And not, I'm not, you know, I was never into alcohol. I wasn't into drugs. I wasn't. It wasn't that type of misery or pain, but it was the constant conflict or the constant stress because when money becomes the focus and that's all you're trying to do, then that's what you, so even if you're there, so I, you know, I would be at a birthday party or I'd be on vacation. I was physically present, but I was mentally absent. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, it's affecting me, but then it starts affecting my wife. Then it started affecting my daughter and then it starts affecting people who worked for me. Yeah. It starts affecting people that I don't even know. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, at, at one point it's been almost five years ago, it was just like, Hey, I can't, I can't sustain this. Right. The money that I'm making is the moments of happiness are not worth the other 99% 99% of misery that I'm in now or stress or anxiety or conflict. Right. So we literally, I mean, just threw on the emergency break and made a serious life change. What did you do? Uh, sold a bunch of, I had 13 businesses at the time, sold a bunch of businesses, shredded a bunch of things, did away with a lot of partnerships. Yeah. Did a lot of apologizing. Yeah. Sincere, you know, not the, I'm sorry yeah. I did this, but you know, had you not done what you did, I wouldn't, you know, that's yeah. not an apology. Right. <clears throat> and it took time, I, you know, cause once you get to a point in a relationship with someone where they have a perception or reality of you, yeah. just because you say you're gonna do something different doesn't mean you're going to. Right, actions speak louder. Well, cause we've done that multiple times already. Yeah. I'm gonna help around the house more, or I'm gonna do this and then we don't. Or we do for a day or a week or a month. Right, but it doesn't stick. <clears throat> you know, so it basically came down to a choice. Now for me I, you know I'm an am evangelical christian so it was a relationship it was my faith it was putting my trust in god but it all comes down to a choice yeah you know if you're going to go to the gym every day that's a choice right are you going to take the time to do that so it really became then as during the process of becoming you know focused on what was i going to do mm-hmm. not what did i want to do or that but you know instead of having five or six things running through you know, kind of the, the hopper of one or two. Right. Or if it was five or six, but, you know, scheduling out that time. Right. So like I, I've written several books and when I first started into that, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll write some this afternoon. Well, this yeah. afternoon would come. And I was like, oh, I'll write tonight. Right. Yeah. And then tonight would come and well, I'll write tomorrow, you know, and six months later, I've not written anything. Right. So I started putting time, blocking out time on my calendar, thirty minutes, sixty minutes. Here I'm going to do this. Yeah. But then I turned off my phone and I turned off my computer and I turned off all the TV, I turned off all the distractions and did that. Right. So for someone like you, where you're saying, "Hey, I've already got an eight to five job." Yeah. And I've got a girlfriend, and I've got family, and I've got my health, and I've got all of this. Where well, you're going to have to find a, a, a time period in your day where you say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm gonna do my real estate this time. Okay. So when you sit down at the computer or the phone to do that, you don't do Candy Crush, you don't do Facebook, you don't do Google searches, you don't do, when those thoughts come up, oh, I need to do this. No, I've scheduled out this 30 minutes, I'm gonna call property owners to see if they wanna sell their house. Right. Or, you know, whatever you do. So that 30 minutes or that 60 minutes, you do that. Right. And you'll find, you'll find you can accomplish more in a 30 to 60 minute period of uninterrupted time, not, you know, doing other Google searches or Facebook than you do in an eight hour period. Wow.
0: That's pretty powerful stuff.
1: If you're focused. Now, right. in that eight right. hour period, if you're focused that entire eight hours, but most of the time, if you start you know, tracking what you're doing, yeah. In your off time, you might be quote unquote working, but you got so many other distractions going on and so many other little things you're doing. You're not actually right. You're you're not not being targeted. Right.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You're not like focused and dialed in.
1: Yeah. Like when you go to spend time with your girlfriend. Yeah. If I go spend time with my wife, you're going to spend time with a significant other, spend time with them. Right. Put your phone down. Right put, you know, make sure you're concentrating, you know, the ones who we love and the ones who love us, they want quality time. Right. They would rather have 30 minutes of uninterrupted, eye to eye, holding hands, talking, than four hours of, hey, did you hear what I said? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Is your your girlfriend throw that into you where, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of listening, you're looking at her or you might be looking down at your phone. And then she says, what did I say? Every, every once, like one
0: out of 10, you know, I try to be super dialed in and focused on, you know, on her more than anything else, actually more than my job, more than real estate. You know, that's one thing that I always try to stay like the most focused on, but every now and then my mind will wander to real estate or marketing or sure. my other weird obsessions.
1: So but when I'm that happy. happens, own it. Right. Just immediately okay. say, say, Hey, you know, I am so Sorry. I just, I got this one thing going on. It just popped in my head and it just, you know, ran, but I'm back, you know, sorry about that. I, I you know, it's a choice. Right. Right. You know, when it really comes down, we overcomplicate our lives and our thought, Oh, I got all this. It's really a choice. I mean, you have a choice, what you're going to do in your time. Right. A lot of people are like, Oh, I have to work to pay for all the stuff that I owe for. Yeah. Then sell all the stuff you owe for and downsize. Right. It's a choice, right? Yeah. Very easy. Wow. Here, here's my premise on this. Yeah. Outside of the things we don't control, you know, cancer, what other people do, you know, car wrecks, things like that. But the things that we do control are health. The solution to our health problems, unless you have, you know, again, something else, is very simple. Eat better and exercise. Right. Finances. Spend less money. Save more. Downsize. You know, real estate, focus, meet investors, you know, put your investor packet together. There's all these simple things we have to do. The problem is, is just actually doing them.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: That's, that really comes down to the the crux of it is, I don't know if it's a fear or, you know, I think it depends on different people. Some fear, some time, some is like, well, what if I do this and I fail? Right. What if you do do it and fail? I mean, if you don't do it, you definitely fail.
0: Right. Yeah. One thing that, um, I have a, uh, actually I have a life coach and I was definitely experiencing a fear of failure. He's like, he's yep. like, no, no, no. He's like, no, no, no. Every time you fail, you learn something. Yep. You learn something, you learn what not to do. You know, the whole Edison, the light bulb thing. He learned a thousand different ways not to make
1: a light bulb. Right. And but you know what? you that fear that you have is no different than anybody else's fear you know what the only difference is, is that you're willing to admit it and to address it. Right. And that, you know, you look into real estate and we look around and we say, Oh, why, how did that person, you recall yourself doing that, how did that person get all of that real estate? Yeah. how they build that portfolio? Cause they went out and did it. Right. Yeah. They don't, you know, yes, there are people out there who have silver spoons and trust accounts and, you know, they were given what they've got, but that, that's, that's a rarity.
0: Yeah, it's a small percentage. I think, I, don't quote me on this, but I think it's over 80% of millionaires are self-made. Yeah, Some Some, yeah something
1: like that because yeah. they just, they went out and did, you know what You know what the story every one of them would tell you? If, huh. if they open up, there were fears, there yeah. were concerns, there were challenges, there were failures, but they had their dream and they kept going after it.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, I guess that I guess that brings me to my next point. How did you get started into real estate?
1: So I have a very odd story how I got involved in, in real estate. I've been a serial entrepreneur my entire life.
0: Really? Ooh, you tell. Twenty
1: twenty six companies, one hundred fifty two million in sales. Oh, wow. From soy products, nutraceuticals to consulting to emails, sent over a billion emails, built over five hundred websites, had a buy here, pay here car lot. Wow. There's all kinds of. Not anything really even to do with each other. Right. Yeah. Um, But I got into real estate because somebody walked into an office one time um, and said, hey, just randomly, just walked in. It's like, hey, I got an 18-unit apartment complex I'm trying to sell. At that point, I'd only bought my personal home. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, sure, let me take a look at it. Yeah. And I went to five banks uh, that I had done banking with in other businesses, and they all said no. Right. Now, the time I didn't realize, the time I thought they were saying no to, to me. Yeah. What I realized after later on is they were saying no to the deal. Right,
0: right. That, I've heard, I'm not experienced, I haven't done a, a commercial deal yet, but what I've heard is the banks typically loan on the deal itself rather than you, which is what right. they would do. But the they didn't
1: say that. They right. didn't say, like, oh, hey, Nathan, yeah, we know we like you, but no to your deal. The, I just got the denial letter. Hmm. So, you know, if you're getting a denial letter, you know, call up in a very nice, cordial way. Just, hey, curious, like, is it no to me or is it no, you know, like, can you tell me a little bit about this so I can learn yeah. how to do it better the next time? Right. I ended up with a six bank, a small little community bank, 18 unit, uh, Class C, a lot of deferred maintenance, a lot of uh, occupancy issues. Bought it. Uh, a week later, the, there was a 12 unit uh, behind it. They used to be connected at some point. That owner came to him and said, hey, do you want to buy mine? Huh. Sold it, renovated it, leased it up, sold it in eight and a half months and made a little over $223,000.
0: Oh my gosh, 30 units. And...
1: 30 wow. units. But That's... I did not know what I was doing. I didn't know what a cap rate was. Yeah. I had a little bit of background of some construction and painting from uh, my father's business growing up. Yeah. The second deal that I did, six months later, I lost $150,000. Oof. So I went from riding high on, like, hey, you know, i you the know, you know, next big show. what I'm doing, you know. yeah. Uh, a zoning issue. The appraiser, wow. attorney, surveyor all said it was grandfathered in, but the yeah. property had been separated. Uh, there were two apartment buildings yeah. and the setbacks when the buildings were built was 25 feet. It was now 40 feet. The buildings had been split, so it lost its grandfathering.
0: How? How, how did that
1: happen? So if you have two buildings sitting beside each other and yeah. they were built in the sixties, yeah. they're grandfathered in. Right. But if you split those buildings and it was a, an, uh, a property owner who owned a lot of properties, he gave the two buildings to two churches, took it as yeah. a tax write off. Huh. They had never tried to pull any building permits. They, the buildings were just sitting there and they yeah. went to sell them and I bought the front one. Yeah. And um, ended up eighteen month ordeal. Had to buy the other building and have it torn down. Wow! I mean, it was a you know at the time I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, ended up being eighteen months and one hundred and fifty thousand dollar mistake. Oh. So I tell anybody if you're going to buy any, I don't care if single family, multifamily, raw land, whatever, you yourself need to call the zoning department. Yeah. Get in writing on letterhead that that property is what it says it is writing this down because if you don't and you know so you have title insurance on properties right so I went to my lawyer I said title insurance need to make a claim we made a claim title insurance company denied it so I said to my attorney now now what do I do and he's like well if you want to sue him I need a $25,000 check so even though you have title insurance title insurance can deny claims right if they deny the claim, the only option is to sue them or do nothing. Right. At the time it wasn't, there were too many, you know, their denial and and what it was supposed to, you know, done. So I just had to, you know, took it on the chin. Right. Yeah. Um, But you know, so every deal I do now, I just, and it takes literally five minutes to call down, give them the pin number. And they will email you a letter on their letterhead, signed. A verbal conversation doesn't work because right. you don't, you can't ever prove that later on. Right, you can't hold it up in court. Yep, that makes sense.
0: Wow. So um, I know that when we began this call, you said that you were an expert in due diligence and work-life balance. Um, why? I like. I understand the importance of due diligence, but you know, other investors might say like, "Oh, you know, I'm the king of flipping," or. Uh, we were actually just talking in a meeting. There's some guy he uh, he niches in meth and death, so you know, like yeah. meth meth lab houses and yep. probate. Um, so you specifically you became an you became an expert in this due diligence process. Is that right? I'm assuming it has to do with you know your origin and losing a lot of well, money. Well,
1: because deals I bought, things that I've gone through, yeah. things I've learned along the way. I've been mean, doing this for a little over 13 years now. I've bought and sold personally, $52 million worth of real estate. Oh, wow. So, you know, uh, this is a question I ask people kind of prove a point here. Who owns fire hydrants? The city Ken? county municipality or the property owner. Really? HOA single family in yep. HOAs that fire hydrant setting in somebody's yard. When you're buying that piece of property could be owned by the HOA or it could be owned by the property. When I bought a 66 unit complex, uh, sitting on 13 acres, a half of mile of piping running through the complex with four fire hydrants. Thankfully, when I called, called the uh, fire marshal, I was like, Hey, I need to get these inspected for the insurance company, which is pretty standard practice. Yeah. Call back. And it's like, Hey, uh, yeah, but they're going to be $75 each. And I was like, I've never been charged before. He's like, yes, but we don't own them. You do. Hmm. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I called yeah. my attorney, real estate attorney. And she pulled the deed right there about three-fourths of the way down. In the deed was City of Winston-Salem deeds the fire hydrants to the property owner. Wow. Thankfully, they were okay. There were no issues. But yeah. had, to, had I had to replace from the front of the complex all the way back, it had been $86,000. Oh, wow. Now, here's another side on uh, property. Meters. Yeah. And this is single family or multifamily, but I, I, I have saved about $350,000 on renovation costs with this. On old meter boxes, about 25 ish years or older, yeah. if you open the meter box and it has a stamp of a, of a power company inside, when the power companies used to install meters, they owned the meter. Okay. So, I had a 113 unit complex and a 40 unit complex. Yeah. And when we opened up the meters, it, it was stamped there with the energy company. Well, called the energy company. I was like, hey, your meters are out of code. At first, they were like, so. But then my attorney wrote a letter and said, hey, these are your responsibility. They need to be brought up to code. Yeah. So, the power company had to come out and replace all of those meters at their expense. Wow. Huh. Now, when they did that, I had to sign a letter, contract, uh, taking ownership of all those meters. Right. But that was $350,000 that I got to put in my pocket. Right. Huh. Wow. So when you start understanding that due diligence is more than getting a rent roll, getting a copy of the leases, getting you know, the the traditional stuff and then just walking around and looking at the property. Like I tell anybody, if you're going to go buy a house or multifamily, go buy a $5 plug checker at Lowe's or Home Depot. Yeah. Like why? I was like, do you know how much it is to rewire a thousand square foot house or apartment complex? $4,000 roughly. God. Wow. Do you know how long it takes to walk around and plug in at the top and the bottom of every plug? Couple seconds. Yeah, when I mean, you're walking around anyway, so a minute or two. Yeah. Hi, Austin. I kid you. I've gone into complex apartments before, and tenants are like, "Oh yeah, everything works." And I go over and I check, and the right side on the unit, the power's working. The left side's not. Wow. And oh, there's a breaker. There's some issue in the breaker box. Yeah. Well, I mean, to fix that, you've got to replace the breaker. You've got to cut the sheetrock out and rewire some plugs, or you got to replace everything. Right. Yeah. Well. After you buy something, it's yours. So if you don't catch that mistake or that issue pre-closing, that's money coming out of your pocket. Right. It's your responsibility. And when you run your numbers, so I tell people, when you run your numbers backwards, you got your cost of your property, you got your cost of your renovations, and your potential profit. Okay. If you misjudge your renovations, where is that money coming from? It's gonna come your profit. Right. So If you miss a thousand dollars worth or ten thousand dollars worth, or you know, whatever it is, that's all coming out of your bottom line, right? Right? So, why not just do it right the first time, right?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I know that, um, with due diligence, there could be a lot of pitfalls. So, someone who's just starting out, what would you recommend the best due diligence process they do? Because, I, you know, um, like how, how do how does someone like me know? uh, you know, buy this $5 plug calculator, is there some sort of resource out there or do I just have to like call some people and yeah. rely on I mean, a couple
1: different resources there. There, there, there are inspect home inspectors or property inspectors out there that you can hire. Yeah. And they're normally, you know, for a normal size house, three, four, 500 bucks is the, a, a normal, uh, there are some books out there that you can buy you know, through Amazon. I have a course online that, that teaches due diligence also do coaching and consulting in that. So there's, you know, free YouTube videos. Yeah. Right. It just depends on, you know, do you, do you want to go, you know, put all the information together for yourself? Do you want to go buy a $30 book on Amazon or do you want to you know, hire someone to help you do it? Right. Right. That makes sense. I think it depends on the size of the deal. I mean, you know, you're doing a hundred thousand dollar house, you know, that's one thing. If you're doing a million you know, dollar, $2 million piece of property, you probably want to hire someone at, at least to the, you you know, learn kind of the ropes where you can do it yourself.
0: Right. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, making a mistake on the bigger deal, it's, it'd be much more costly, yeah.
1: but you know, even on a hundred thousand dollar house, I've had people, you know, clients call up and they didn't catch that there was an old oil tank in the backyard. Oil tank, oil tank. You know, it's a very common thing. I don't know. I don't know out, out West, but in the South, you know, you would, you put in these oil tanks that would run your um, gas stove or your hot water heater or your furnace during the winter. And it was buried underground. Wow! Well, they're about $8,000 ish to take out. Yeah. Well, and they're environmental hazards. So you had to take them out once you know about them. So if you're buying a hundred thousand dollar house and you're trying to make 20 grand and you got to take an $8,000 tank, it's almost half. It's almost half. That's That's a big hit. Yeah. Wow. So, You know, a five minute phone call to the gas company to see if there's a tank back there, is probably worth your time. Right, yeah, for sure, it's it's probably worth $8,000. Probably worth $8,000. Yeah. But see, people struggle to do little things like that, and and this is my premise why, they don't see that making them money immediately. Ah, okay. So if I'm calling the zoning department, or I'm calling the gas company, or I'm looking at police reports to see what the area is like at night or in the weekends, They don't consider that to be a return on their investment. Right. But in real estate, I don't care what kind it is, you make money when you buy something, not when you sell it. Right. So if you don't do your homework, your due diligence up front, there are so many moving parts out there that you can get caught on. Right. I've bought property before that when you stood down on the ground, the shingles were brand new. Get up. Own the own the top. Take a ladder, get up there, and walk around, and and it feel like a trampoline. They took brand new shingles and put over old, rotten decking. Huh? Oh man! Wow. What do you have to do? You got to take all the shingles off and replace all the decking. Yeah. But if you just stand down on the bottom and go, oh, that's a brand new roof. Yeah. Shouldn't you get a ladder, or get someone who has a ladder and let them run up there real quick and walk around for? 2 minutes. Yeah. Wow, that's so I don't ever buy a property that I don't get someone to go up on the roof because I've I bought, I bought property before where somebody has shingled the front side of an apartment complex. What about and the back side was kind of wooded so you couldn't see it from the ground. Wow. Oh, and walked up on the roof and walked to the other side and it'd be old shingles. Wow kind of deceptive you know talking about what your granddaddy said about you know do the the next thing right yeah i mean there are people out there who do not do that philosophy right they will cover things up they will mislead so it's your job during the due diligence process to find those things right because if you don't then you're you're going to pay for them afterwards right you're ultimately responsible if you take control of the deal yep wow That's, that's
0: crazy. Um, Have you, what, what's, what's sort of the biggest mistake you've ever
1: made in your real estate career? Uh, The zoning issue was, was one of the bigger, the biggest ones. Right. Um, The next has been related around um, sewer issues. Ooh. Um, Back, you know, tubs, toilets, uh, stuff like that backing up. Yeah. Um, You know, I've hired uh, cameras. You know, plumbing companies that they run cameras down. Yeah, tried various things, and really, the only thing I personally have found that that really works is to go get two years worth of housing complaints. Okay. Huh. Okay. So if you have a property that's been a rental, um, in, in various areas they call it different things: uh, community and business development, or housing authority, or it's the place that someone would call if they're renting and the landlord won't fix something. Right. So, gotcha. if you, you, know, you know, you can Google that or call your local number, but, and sometimes they charge you for it. Yeah. Uh, but I'll go in and get two years worth of housing complaints and just sit down with a highlighter, normally three or four different colored ones. And, you know, green means this and yellow means this. And if I see a pattern of raw sewage in the bathtub, ooh raw sewage in the toilet. Yeah. Toilets won't flush. And, you know, you start seeing this pattern over six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. I don't need to hire a camera. I don't need to know anything that there's something wrong in those pipes. Yeah. And they're going to have to be replaced. Right. You well, know? I mean, you know, if you're in a 40 unit co- or, you know, even a single family, if you're on a foundation, that's a, that's a big expense. Yeah. If you're not on a foundation, it's still expensive. Right. So, I mean, you know, to re-plumb a a, a, 1,600 square foot house, I mean, three, four, five, six thousand $6,000. Yeah. To re-plumb a 40-unit complex that's sitting on the foundation is $86,000. But thankfully, I called that before I bought it. Yeah. So I negotiated with the seller that that was an issue that the seller did not disclose. Yeah. He's like, oh, I have no idea. I mean, before, like there were 47 different complaints yeah. over a year period on raw sewage and the owner said he didn't know about it. Right. Yeah. You think he was like, you think he was lying or being honest?
0: Definitely lying, not being yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah.
1: But had I bought that complex, the moment I closed, that would have been my issue. Right. What did you, what did you do?
0: Did you uh, end up purchasing the.
1: Well, I, well, I purchased it. Well, I went and I got a bit, I went and talked to him, sat down and said, Hey, and I didn't accuse him, you know, because yeah. I wouldn't do no good. I didn't say, Oh, you're, you know, you liar. You, I said, Hey, I've discovered something here in my due diligence process. Here it is. And I gave him the information. Yeah. Cause if you're ever going to ask somebody for a reduction, you need to back it up. Right. with Right. Right. I said, here's the quote from uh, three different plumbing companies. The average is $86,000. Uh, you can fix it before closing or I can deduct $86,000 from the price of the project. Right. And he took eighty six thousand dollars off. Huh. So I went to the bank and I said, "Okay, we're lowering this price eighty six thousand, but I actually need that eighty six thousand to do this plumbing." So yep. they left my loan at the same amount. Right. So I gave him eighty six thousand less, put eighty six thousand over in escrow, and then the plumber was able to draw down from that eighty six thousand to pay for the replumb. Right.
0: Do you remember how much it ended up costing? Did it end up
1: costing exactly eighty six thousand? Uh, it was like eighty six thousand five hundred and twenty bucks or something. Okay. Like. Yeah, not bad. And part of that was um, part of those funds were put over because we had to move tenants out for a week or two weeks and put them in a hotel. Right. Ooh. While they were jackhammering the foundation to rerun the pipes. Right. Wow. Huh. But if you don't catch something like that, it's yours. I mean, as soon as yeah. I, all, all 50 states, we, I don't know what they call the legal term. I call it the four, com- the four corners. Yeah. What's in four your corners. contract is what you, what you're buying. Yeah. And if somebody says, oh, you know, after closing, I'll give you $5,000 back. If it's not in your contract. What's the four corners? Uh, well, the four corners of, the, of a piece of paper. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So literally, I don't, you know, again, not the legal term. That's my <laughs> term.
0: So right. Yeah. Yeah. If
1: it's not in those four corners, if it's in an email or it's a verbal conversation and it's not in writing and attached to that contract. Yeah. Good luck enforcing it. Right.
0: Yeah. you got to get it in writing.
1: You know, I, I've been, unfortunately I've been in several lawsuits in my lifetime and I say this laughingly and I, I don't mean this as an insult to lawyers because one of my best friends is a lawyer, but the only people who win when you sue are lawyers. <laughs> That's kind of funny. That makes sense. Um, the average lawsuit's about 18 to 24 months. Yeah, uh, I've won the majority. Actually, I've only ever lost one lawsuit. I've 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 won all the times I've ever sued or been sued. Yeah, but I lost time, stress, money. Yeah, I mean, when you're in a lawsuit, even if you win, you don't win. Right. Yeah. It doesn't uh, cost. So, so it's better if you're going to do something, just put it in, put it in the contract. Gotcha. That makes sense. Thank you. Do you know that a rent roll? is useless. Do you know why? Why? The rent roll and this has even been ruled by various appellate courts. The rent roll is a simple regurgitation of what's on the lease. Huh. So if I'm renting okay. from you and my lease says I'm paying $700 a month, what does yeah. that mean? I'm paying $700 a month, it means I should be paying 700 a month. Right. But it doesn't mean that I've paid in the last 6 months. Right, yeah. It doesn't mean that you didn't do a handshake and let me pay 500 a month. Right. So a rent roll, all a rent roll does is it takes the lease, puts the name, unit number, date sign, expiration date, security deposit, and rent amount. Yeah. A certified rent roll does not mean that that person has paid that right. amount. It means that that's what the lease says means they should be paying. Right, right. So I bought a complex one, the third, uh, fourth complex I ever bought rent roll said it was supposed to be collecting $28,500 a month, closed on it. And the first month collected 7,500. Oh my God. That's
0: like four times less.
1: Percent-ish. Yeah. Second month collected the same. I was like, so I call the owner. He's not answering his phone. Yeah. Start talking to the tenants. They're like, Oh yeah, my, my lease is 800, but I've been paying 300 for 20 years. Oh my God, he had gone out and signed new leases with all the tenants at amounts that they were not paying. Wow! Wow! I won, but I lost because I now you know all my numbers were upside down. Yeah. What did that so, do to the property? Did you have to? sell you have to sell? So how it? do you verify someone's amount that they're bringing in? Yeah. Some people say tax records. Do you know what the IRS does not care about unless you use it in a, in a fraudulent, big Ponzi scheme type? If you made $100,000 but you report $140,000, how do you prove that? Right. So I've, I've looked at properties before where I couldn't say for you know 100% of surety, but I'm pretty sure the property owner was lying about the amount of money they brought in. Right, yeah. To make their property worth more. So right. bank statements. The only thing I can go off of is bank statements. Really? I want to okay. see someone's bank statements. Okay. I want to see how much they've deposited into the account. So this is what I do with people on that. Yeah. If you have a property, they say, hey, it's collecting $10,000 a month. But their bank statements show $7,000 a month. Right. And they say, oh, well, the other $3,000 is cash. And, you know, I just kind of slip it in my pocket. Okay. So my proposal back to them is that they will escrow $36,000 at closing, mm-hmm. $3,000 at 12 months. Right. At the end of each month, if I'm supposed to collect $10,000 and I collected $8,000, I keep $2,000 of that $3,000 they get $1,000 back. Right. Huh. You find out real quick how honest people are being with that. Right. Yeah. 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 Can can you break down that that deal one more time? Yeah. So, you know, if I'm buying a property from you and you say, hey, we collect ten thousand dollars a month, your rent roll says ten thousand a month. Right. But your bank statements say seven thousand a month. Right. So I'm short three thousand there's a three thousand dollar difference. Okay. So what I say to someone is, Okay, we we've got a we got a problem here because we're thirty percent off. Right. So we can either do a massive reduction of the price of the property, yeah, or you can put thirty-six thousand dollars into an escrow account. Now we're an esc- we're an, we're a, we're a lawyer closed state in North Carolina, okay. So we do escrow, or you can do a trust account if you're not if you're a, a title company, you can put it over in a trust account, but it gets put over into a third party, right? So January one, January thirty one, I collect eight thousand dollars, yeah. So let collect 10. So there's that $3,000 pool setting there, right? So I'm going to take 2000 of that to get to my 10 grand and you as the owner, you're going to get a thousand back. Got it. The next month, if I only collect 7,000, I'm keeping all three. Right, right.
0: That makes sense. And um, when you usually bring up this type of deal to a seller,
1: what do they usually say? It all depends on how you well, they're gonna be aggravated. Right. If you go at them in a way that says, you know, oh, you're a liar, you're trying to cheat me, it's not gonna go well. Yeah. Because, you know, in in this world that we live in, I mean, there's no reason to be personal about it. It's business. Yes, it right. is personal, but stick to the business side. Hey, right, I ran my numbers. This is what it is, you know, it's supposed to be 10 grand a month, it's seven grand a month, I'm three grand short, and here's a solution to that problem. Yeah. And if they say no, then you have to decide, you know, if they normally they say no the first time, well, I can't, I'm sorry, I just can't do the deal. Right. And then they'll, they normally come back to the table, but I've had people before say, no, I'm not doing that. Well then I have to go and set and run my numbers and assume that I'm only going to collect 7,000. I can't count on that 3,000. And then I have to decide if is it worth going and doing that deal or not. Right. And some I've backed out of and some I've gone forward with but I had to adjust my numbers accordingly. Got it. That makes sense.
0: Awesome. Sorry. Just writing all this down, making some notes. See, so
1: those are the due diligence side of things that you're not going to find in a normal, you know, book or a normal course side, because that's something that has come from a, a real life experience of how I've dealt with that problem. Right. Right. That was a solution because like, I run into it a lot. I mean, if you're buying properties that are, are a little older and, you know, mom and pop have owned it for the last 30 years or, you know, whatever. I mean, I bought properties before where the, the, all the paperwork where it was in file folders, piled in there. Wow. Not in order. Yeah. Well, and how do, you, how do you figure out those things? Yeah. So that that's where I go in, and I really, on that due diligence side, have been able to really help people understand how do you value a property, how do you buy a property when the finances aren't there, right, or they're in disarray, or you can't trust them, right. Um, and those are the deals where you can make a ton of money. You can lose a ton of money, but you can yeah. also make a ton of money, right. You just got to make sure you've covered all those areas. Right. Wow. Learning all about this, it's
0: like you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Like I've learned so many things already, like the fire hydrants and like the, the sewage and, you know, what you just talked about with the rent roll. That's wow. I feel like this is like you a know, like, masterclass.
1: You drive, by, you drive by single family or you drive by uh, multifamily during the day. Yeah. That's great. What does that play? What does that area look like at eleven o'clock at night?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good question to ask.
1: Okay, you want to know my solution to that? Huh? Go to uh, no, most most police departments have online police reports now. Online police? Oh, okay. If you don't, you can pull them manually, but just right. go pull six months or twelve months worth of police reports or police calls, police reports for that area. Got it. And you'll 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 see real quick. Is there a drug problem? Is there an alcohol problem? Is there a domestic abuse problem? Yeah. You know what's going on in that area, and you'll know by the police reports. Right.
0: I'm assuming at this point it would come down to common sense. Like when you're reading it, like okay, there's this, 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 and this. You know, week after week, this is probably a problem area.
1: Right. And, And then you you know is it you know what level is it? Yeah. Is it you know weapons brand? You know weapons uh guns knives or is it like you know playing the music too loud right yeah so you know the common sense kind of comes into that but you know but if you you know if you're in an area three or four block area and there's an average of 10 or 12 15 calls every night and it yeah. doubles on the weekends you got a pretty hot area there yeah that makes sense
0: um
1: there's there's a question i have for you.
0: Um, I found a team and we're looking to buy a a big apartment deal. Like, um, I think 150 is like the minimum that we're looking for. Yep. And I'm learning a lot of new things, not really my area of expertise at all. And what I'm learning is, uh, there has to be someone called a key principal, uh, to sign for a non-recourse loan. And, uh, they have to have something like a a one-to-one like their net worth has to equal the amount of the loan, even though it's non-recourse. Um, have you had any experience in this, or finding key principles, or um, you know, finding big loans for big apartment buildings?
1: Uh, yes, and yes, and yes. I've got some um, uh, really good brokers, uh, loan brokers that I've worked with over the years. That yeah, uh, one good friend I'm work- thinking about. He used to work for Fannie, and oh. he's got about three hundred different sources. Yeah. Um, the best thing about him is know, um, advice on this, if you ever have a loan broker that wants to charge you money up front before they get you a loan run. <laughs> yeah. It's actually illegal in most States unless really? they're a certified broker. Right. In the state of North Carolina, you can charge a fee to get a loan, but it's, you got to have like a $50,000 bond and right. The, uh, uh License through the insurance uh, commission or something like that. And yeah, 99.9% of the people aren't. Right. If somebody's good at what they're doing, they can take a look at your financials and in a minute or two, know if they can get you a loan or not. Right. Got it. That makes sense. Um, Second there, you know, getting that key principle um, on a non-recourse note, you know, non-recourse notes are non-recourse, but there is a recourse in those and it's called, I don't know what they call it legally, but it's the bad boy clause. (laughs) That if you embezzle money, if you steal the HVAC unit, I mean, there's a, there's a thing there that trips a recourse. Okay, got it. So what you'll find with a lot of key principles that could sign is they'd rather be somebody who either gets to know you or knows you because, yes, it is non-recourse, but it could be recourse.
0: So, so, for example, if I find a key principal and he does his due diligence on me and he's like, okay, you're a good guy, I'll be your key principal, and then I go out and commit fraud, the, the loan is now recourse on him, right? On him.
1: Oh, right. Wow. Got it. Okay. So that's the that's the problem that you're gonna run into. Right. Uh, if it's a savvy investor, yeah. The like savvy key principle, they're gonna understand like it's not just a non-recourse. It's non-recourse unless someone does something fraudulent or illegal or something like that. And right. then it becomes full recourse. Right.
0: So looking looking from the shoes of a key principle. <clears throat> How would, if I were a key principal or if I, you know, had net worth to, you know, be a key principal on a big deal, what would I do as a key principal to sort of do my own due diligence on, you know, this group of investors to make sure they don't commit fraud and then I'm held responsible?
1: Yeah. Well, you want, you know, you want to have the ability to have control of the bank accounts and see the deposits and got it in the, the, you know, you want to. Obviously, you're probably not gonna have time to do the day-to-day operations. Right. But you don't wanna get just quarterly reports. Right. You don't wanna get a report every six months. You wanna know every month that mortgage is being paid, every month the the taxes are being escrowed. You wanna know that the the maintenance is being taken care of. Yeah. You wanna get a report from the city that all the city complaints are being taken care of. Yeah. So, you know, you wanna kinda of get a monthly report that everything is going the way it should be going right because at any point that you see there's a big dip in rents coming in or something's not being paid then you want to know why you want to catch it before it becomes a problem right so
0: i want full transparency on everything that's going on if i were if you not
1: only that. full transparency you want full control ah got it that i mean you're going to give them day-to-day operations but if anything goes south or anything doesn't seem right their equity still stays in place and the deal's all the same but you have the right to change the management company right. I can step in and change everything right because you're the key because you're the one that really has um, your credit your livelihood your your you know you're the one that could be in a, in a non in a recourse situation right can I put as a key
0: principle can I put a clause in the contract uh, that sort of counters this bad boy
1: clause seem like okay not not, because that that would be coming from the lender okay got it and they probably i mean if i were the lender i would say no because then it wouldn't be there would be no recourse to it exactly and if people
0: end up committing fraud and we need to take the property back or somehow get our equity back
1: then there's nobody
0: to go after right that makes sense okay gotcha okay so the best the best practice for a key principle in this situation would to have be able to have full transparency and full control over this deal just in case anything happened. Right?
1: Right. Okay. Got it. And that's going to come down. That's not really going to be the contract with the lender. Right. That's going to be your operating agreement or however your LLC or incorporation or partnership is established. Those guidelines are going to be in that document. Gotcha. Okay. And And that is where, you know, asterisk right here, that's where, one of those, you say, well, should I go hire an attorney to do that or should I go to LegalZoom or one of those? Right. I mean, if you're dealing in 150 units, I mean, you're dealing with a several million dollar, you know, if it's yeah. $60,000 know, $60, a door, you're at a $9 million complex. Go pay an attorney three or four, $5,000 to right. put together an ironclad agreement. Okay. Got it. Because why why deal with that much money and then get caught on some little clause that's not worded right because you downloaded a pre-populated form right right and it happens and it happens all the time it calls from people where they've done a deal with even a childhood friend and and something went south but they didn't have a good legal document in place right right well now it depends on you know who's got the better attorney or. Who does who does the judge believe? So you've right. just put yourself in a really unnecessary position. Right, right. That makes sense.
0: And um, if we're a group of investors looking for a key principle, where are some of the best places, you know, to find one and, and connect with one?
1: You know, that's that's a, a good question because there's not where, you know, oh go
0: right, key. go to keyprinciples.com and yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. You, know, um, you know, family, friends. Um, you know, putting together a business plan. Yeah. Cause you just go out and ask, Hey, does anybody know any good key principles? <laughs> like walking into Baskin Robbins and saying, Hey, can I have a scoop of ice cream? Right. Right. That makes sense. Put together. I'm looking for a key principle to yeah. do the you know, 150 units, class A or class B, um, you know, put as, as, you know, vague, but as much information in there as you can. Got it. Okay. And, you know, then, you know, Family, friends, um, church, uh, country club, I mean, business owners, you know, that that becomes one of those. But once you know the niche you're going after, it's going to be much easier to find investors or key principals or even lenders because you're not just wanting to do a deal. You're wanting to do a specific type of deal. Right. Got it. And you can attract people that are also attracted to that type of deal. Yep.
0: That makes sense. Awesome. Thank you um okay uh i guess do you have any advice for someone just getting started
1: yes yeah, so um that's one of the things i do too on, on, on a, a course is if you're getting started do a business plan a page yeah. maybe two okay uh, do an investor packet and people are like oh i can't raise money well the reason they can't raise money is because they're raising vague money will you invest with me in real estate Right. No. What does that mean? Right. What does that mean? Will you invest with me in real estate on the south side of town in houses that are selling for eighty to a hundred thousand and need twenty thousand renovation and, and selling for one hundred and forty? That's a big difference. Yeah. And you know, here's my contractor. Here's you know, list out. I mean, that's one of those that people want to know. It might be, it might be your first deal, so it's going to be a little harder. Yeah but show people you know what you're doing. Right. Or at least you're trying to know what you're doing. Right. Because if somebody asks you, well, that's great. You're going to buy a house. Who's your contractor? If you say, I don't know, you know what you just lost? Any that, hope of getting that person to invest with you. Right. You say, oh, I've already spoken to A, B, and C, and T, and I've got three different contractors that I've already been talking with. They yeah. all do this type of work. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to already have a signed contract with them because you couldn't. You don't have anything, but you need to at least know some of those answers. Right. Got it. That makes sense. That's the biggest thing is just, you know, it doesn't have to be your long-term niche. It doesn't have to be what you're always going to do. Yeah. But you need to at least be able to tell in a 30 seconds or less what type of deal you're looking to do with the money that you need to raise. Right. Got it.
0: Even if you don't have that deal yet, I can go right. out yep. right, like for example, I'm looking in the Phoenix market, so what I would do is I would make sure I build my team there, come out with my business plan for uh, my personal niche, and then, and then I would go out to uh, potential investors and say, "Hey, I'm looking to do this type of deal in Phoenix with you know X, yeah. y, and Z, and then are you is that something you're interested in?
1: But in the Phoenix market, there's homes you can do there for50,000 dollars, and there's homes you can do there for five million dollars, right. Right. So, so that's super a super specific. A big on. difference. Right. And so what you'll find in investors too, and this is, you know, just the common sense side of it. You'll find investors who want to do very little risk. Right. You know, they want that $500,000 house that just, you know, the person's in a financial bind, but, you know, needs a, you know, pressure wash it and maybe paint the front door. Yeah. But you'll find the person who will do the $500,000 deal that needs $500,000 worth of renovations and it's worth 2 million afterwards. But it's going to take a year to do. Right. Well, those are two different investors. Got it. One has a very low threshold for risk. One's like, let's go. I'm I'm, like, let me throw my money. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But you got to be able to say that when you're going out to try to find that person or persons, that's what your investor packet and business plan needs to be able to detail. Got it.
0: Wow. A lot of, so I'm an internet marketer for a, a company. And one thing we have to know is, okay, who's our target audience? Who's our customer? And where do we find them? And this, it, it, it's strange that you know, it's, all, it's just the fundamentals. You know? it, in this case, it's like, okay, what kind of investor do we want? Why would they be interested in this? And where do we go find them? Like it's just, yeah. So take
1: everything you're doing in your current job, yeah. everyone else, and apply it to what you want to do in your real estate. Right, Same principles. Right.
0: Yeah. That makes sense awesome about the fundamentals.
1: But you know, here here's what's unique in the, in that um it happens in my own life too. It's like yeah. You can do it for everybody else. But then when you start to do it for yourself, it's like, "Now what do I do?" <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 It's so interesting. Yeah, yeah I definitely got to learn to apply
0: those skills. Um I just got a few more questions and I will sure. let you go. Um if a listener, now theoretically, it's just theoretically, if a listener wanted to partner with you on a deal, what should they bring to the table?
1: Yeah. So right now in my world of real estate, I'm just acting as a consultant and coach. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I will partner up in the sense of, you know, like a 50-50 own. I'll waive half of my fee to take it into equity if the deal is moving forward. Right. But I'm not, you know, doing a key principal side. I'm not signing on or bringing money to the table. Right this point and where I am.
0: That makes sense. You know, If somebody's
1: interested in that and they have going on, my website is Nathan Tabor. It's N-A-T-H-A-N-T-A-B as in com. And I've got a couple of different things. I've got a ministry that I, I work with and, and some other things, but there's a tab there for real estate. Yeah. And, um, you know, I like to help people come in, kind of what we've been talking about today. We've talked about a you know, wide range of, you know, from big deals, 150 units, you know, how do we structure that? to, hey, I just want to buy a duplex for $150,000. Right. How do I do that? Right.
0: And that's and something you as a consultant can...
1: As of- a consultant and coach, while those right. are vastly different areas, the principles are all the same. Right. The principles of business are the principles of business. you got to be able to tell people what you're doing. That makes sense. Yeah. And here, here's that, you know, talk we talked about in the beginning about the fear. Yeah. There's something inside, and it's not the fear, when we say the word fear, people think like clowns or you know, stuff like that. It's not that. It's the it's that fear of failure, it's the fear of going after our dream. Yeah. And there's something about, you know, we can tell people all kinds of stuff. Oh, I, you know, I want to do this or I want to do that, but we have a really hard time of telling people what we really want to do. Hmm. Now, once Hmm. we start doing it, it becomes easier. Right. Um, and that's one of the biggest steps you're trying to get started, is you gotta start being, you know honest with yourself and honest with others, this is what I want to do and this is why I want to do it. But you know who the biggest, normally the biggest distractors in our life or our family and our friends.
0: Oh yeah. That makes sense.
1: Oh, I'm going to do this. You're going to do what? You can't do that. And it's like, Oh, well, if they don't think I can do it, then I can't. Right. Naysayers. And putting it into writing, even for our family, our friends really changes their mind as, as well.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. So if I'm, if I'm someone who's like, hey, I'm the multifamily man, you know, I want to do everything from, uh, at least right now for myself, four units to 10 units. Like that's, that's what I want to focus on, or five to 10. Is, is that sort of what you mean by going out there and telling people like, this is what I want yeah. to do? Okay.
1: Well, because it comes down to that. That's the money, right? Yeah. You know, you, oh, I want to do multifamily. Well, do you want to do $200,000 deals or do you want to do $20 million deals? Right. Yeah. So, you know, you're going out and saying, I want to do, you know, units under 10. Well, you know, just rough numbers, knowing a little bit about the Phoenix market. um, That's a $500,000 deal. Right. Yeah. And below. So then, you know, well, $500,000, I need to raise a hundred, I need to raise 20%. So I got to raise a hundred thousand dollars. Well, now you've really started to define your niche, what you need to do. So you need to find a lender. Who will end up to four hundred thousand? You need to find somebody that invests up to a hundred thousand. Right. Yeah. That changes who you are from. Oh, I want to be a multifamily investor. To I want to do multi and family investing right now. Up to five hundred thousand dollar deals. Right. That makes sense. Big difference.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Uh. you provided so much value. You know, due diligence. You know, so many things. The key principles and you know, defining your niche, I guess, uh, for other listeners out there, where can they find out more about
1: you? Yeah. So you go to the Nathan, my website, Nathan Tabor. I'll put Nathan. a link
0: in the description too. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Uh, there. And then of course, you know, from there I've got LinkedIn, I've got Facebook and and I've got others. And you know, we talked about this a little, um, I think last week when we had a phone call. I'm an evangelical Christian, but I'm not walking around with my Bible underneath my arm. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not a judgmental person. I've got my beliefs. Others have their beliefs. Yeah. But I do come from a very, you know, point of faith. And, but it comes from the, like, hey, if you, everybody has a set of morals and values. Yeah. I don't care who they are. Some, some people, you might say, oh, well, they, they have very little morals and values, but they have a set of morals and values. Right. Because there's certain things they will do and there's certain things they won't do. Right. Right. Even villains have a code. Yeah. Even villains have something they won't do. Yeah. Yeah. So when we start looking at, at this and we start looking at real estate and we start looking at work, work-life balance and we start putting all that together, um, we've got to really look at what's the ultimate thing we're trying to achieve. What do right. we want to be known as? Right. When people mention your name, what do you want them to think of? Right. You know, in the faith world, we call it our testimony. In yeah. the, the, the earth, the, the world, we call it our character. Well, they're both the same. I mean, what do you want people to think about you? Right. Well, you know, we laugh about, oh, well, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a hardcore businessman, but you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be that. You don't want to be the person that people say, oh, you know, and I was that person for a while. He'll do anything to get a deal done. Yeah. And that's just not, it might be fun for a moment to be like that, but ultimately, I mean, you want to be able to help others. You want to be able to you know, if people are trying to achieve something in their life to help them, because that old phrase of it's better to give than to receive. Yeah. There's, there's some joy and contentment in helping others. But, you know, what I found in my life, the more I help others, the more I get to where I want to be. Hmm. But then yeah. when I get there, I'm able to enjoy it.
0: Right. Yeah. That's what I found a lot of successful people say is, you know, when I start bringing other people up, mm-hmm. I naturally get brought up as well with them. Yeah.
1: You know, we call it servant leadership. Is, is is something you'll you'll hear a lot, but that goes contrary to a lot of the real estate courses out there. It goes contrary to most of the the Hollywood media because you should be defined by your material things. Right. right. Where do you live? What do you drive? What do you wear? Well, if that's a good definition, then why do a lot of people in Hollywood have alcohol problems and drug problems and misery problems? Yeah. Because money doesn't buy money can buy happy moments, but money doesn't buy happiness. Huh? Good quote. You think about this happiness is an emotion. Yeah. You can be happy driving down the road, convertible, top down, listening to your favorite song and someone rear ends you. Do you know what's (laughs) going happy? Right. Now, if you're content or you're joyful, that same thing can happen and it will be frustrating. It will be annoying. It will be that. But then you quickly come back to what's the bigger, Hey, I'm really glad I didn't get hurt in that. Yeah. I'm really glad the other person didn't get hurt. Right. It's just a car, just a car, It's just a material thing. It can be fixed. So that is the, when I talk about work life balance and real estate and kind of where I am coming from and what I do, it's like, that's where people need to get to right is a point where, Hey, what's the most important thing here? Right, and it's not money. What is it? It's being content. It's being right. joyful. It's being um, a person, like your granddad said, it's being a, you know, integrity and character. Yeah. Because in the mid, you know, at the night when you lay down, you know what kind of person you are. Yeah. You know if you're a cheat. You know if you're a liar. You know if you're a thief. Or you know hey I'm, a, I'm trying to be a good, decent human being yeah
0: I think I think it's really important you're bringing this point up because uh, a lot of people who are going to be watching this are people who are just getting started people who are like hungry to not only get their first deal done but you know hungry investors you know want to make millions of dollars yeah but I think it's important to have this foundation of okay look, once you get that, then what you know uh, you know really having that foundation of
1: yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with money. Go make right. as much of it as you want. Go, you know, be a millionaire, be a billionaire. Yeah. But do it the right way. Right. You know, don't wake up in 20 years and you're, you know, no one wants to be around you or no one likes you or you don't know your kids. Yeah. Or your spouse is gone. Right. You know, it doesn't always, you know, the, the mindset is and I, I've been there where it's like, I got to I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. I got to, I got to provide for my family. Yeah, when we're providing for our family, or we're providing for our future, but we're not enjoying the moment. Right, right. And there is a way to do that. There's a way to enjoy your current life and spend time with your family and friends, and your faith, and all of that, and prepare for the future. But it's a choice. Right, right. That makes sense.
0: Well, uh, thank you so much, Nathan, for you know doing this interview with me. I know it's uh, it's gone almost over an hour now. Um, I just want to thank you for your time. I, I know it's. Must be pretty valuable. So, uh, thank you.
1: Well, no, man, I appreciate you having me on because I, you know, I look at this as, you know, just helping others. I like, I like sharing with people. Um, you know, first when I started doing this, all I wanted to do was tell people about my success. Yeah. Or my successes, and I was like, you know, that led me to a, a point of just like, you know, misery. So I need to tell people about what I could have done to avoid those things. Right. Right, right,
0: because then that can help them avoid the pitfalls, you know, when they're going on their own journey. Yeah,
1: you know, and, and I understand, I mean, I, I'm a marketer, I've, you know, said earlier, you know, I've had businesses and sold a ton of sold $80 million online with one company. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And, you know, the real estate world today is mostly based around greed and pride. Right. How much money can I make? And how much do I have? Right. And I've kind of taken the opposite approach that and there's nothing wrong again with money, but yeah. You know, of, hey, do it the right way so when you get there, you can enjoy it. Right, right. I and mean, that's not, that's not the, the sexy sell. That's not the, the great motivational Tony Robbins speech <laughs> right. uh, type. But it is the better way to do things. Right. It was kind of like what, your, I like what you, your granddad said earlier. What, what was his exact phrase? Yeah.
0: Always do the next
1: right thing. Always do the next right thing. Yeah. You know, it's not always easy to do the right thing. No, 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 no. Uh, it's it's easier to take shortcuts and you can take a shortcut that's not wrong. Right. It's not illegal. It's not unethical. It's not, you know, it's not anything, but it's just not a shortcut you should take. Right. Yeah. You can take a shortcut in your due diligence. You're not going to hurt anybody really, but yourself, maybe your investors, maybe the bank. There's nothing illegal about it, but why do it? Why not just do it right the first time? So you don't have to come back and fix your mistake in a month or six months or a year just take the time to do it right. The first time. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You just save a lot of time and money too. Sure. Save A lot of time and money. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, I well, appreciate uh, you
1: having me on your podcast. I, I really appreciate your time and uh, letting me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, with Nathan. With your audience. And, um, you know, if anybody has any questions or comments, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me and I'll see what I can do to help you. And if I can't help you, I'll find somebody hopefully who can.
0: Yeah. Cool. So I'll put your uh, website in the description, NathanTaber.com listeners right. go on there, connect with them. And, uh, Yeah, thank you so much, Nathan. All right,
1: thanks, Austin. Have a good day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: I've lost thousands of dollars trying to invest in real estate, thousands and thousands. And you know what the real secret is? It's knowing people. You have to know the right people. If you have a lot of money but don't have deals, you should know someone that has deals. If you have a lot of deals but don't have any money, you should start knowing some people that have some money. So I started to figure out that your network is actually one of the biggest assets that you can have in real estate investing. And so what I've done is I've created uh, my own group, my own real estate investing group called Funnels in Real Estate, aptly named. Uh, But one thing you might be thinking is, does this stuff actually work? Well, someone in one of the other groups I'm in is a kid younger than me and uh, he found a deal and it was great, but he just didn't have the money. But someone from our group actually helped him. They funded it and they actually did all the work. And guess how much they gave him? Half half of all the profits. They put up all the money, they put up all the work, but they gave them half the profits because they believed in the network. So yes, it does work. And can it work for you? That's also a good question. If you put in the work to know people, this can work for you. All you have to do is start building value, start providing value for other people. That's all you have to do. So if you would like to be part of this wonderful group, go to funnelsandrealestate.com. You can join the group and I'm going to send you special behind the scenes interviews I've done with experts who have done hundreds and hundreds of deals. So if you would like to see what they have to say, what we interviewed behind the scenes and join my secret group, go to funnelsandrealestate.com. And one more thing I forgot to mention, this is completely free. So if you'd like to join my private group for free and get those behind the scenes secret interviews I did with those experts for free, just go to funnelsandrealestate.com. Again, you can get all this for free, the behind the scenes Q&A interviews and join my private group for free by going to funnelsandrealestate.com.